Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. Welcome back, Dave. We're back. We're we back are, on we a are very back. on a very foggy uh, St. John, New Brunswick day. That's right. And St. John, New Brunswick is typically uh, rainy and foggy, except for the last two weeks, which has been incredibly sunny. So it's a good day for us to be inside the booth. Uh, it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, and today, Dave, I'm very excited to bring in a good friend of mine. He's also uh, an advisor on uh, the board of my company, of Hemmings House, uh, Marcel Lebron, who is also... You know, he's probably not going to want me to say this, but a little bit of a legend around these parts uh, as a uh, uh, former CEO of Radiant 6 that was uh, that was bought by Salesforce. He's a tech entrepreneur, social entrepreneur, uh, and an all-around awesome guy. Uh, really understands the concept of, uh, of creating profit to, uh, to make the world a better place, the whole triple bottom line stuff that we continue to talk about. And uh, so, and for some reason, I don't think you guys have actually met, have you? No, I, well, I was just I was saying in a little when we were doing a little preamble there that um, I I saw you guys speak about the millennial dream uh, mm-hmm. in Moncton, so I I think we had a, just a very hey right. how you doing, but uh, yeah, very familiar with you, Marcel, and and I know Greg's been trying very, um, you know, he's been really focused on getting you on here, so thank you for for finally succumbing to the person. Yeah, I mean, my to do list has had like get on boiling point for like a year, you know, and I just keep bumping it to the next week. Yeah. So it's exciting. I'm well, here. Yeah. But you know, you actually you actually did something very important. Was it you pushed us to plan a little more? You said basically I heard it it was a very it was a bit of a stiff arm, but a really appropriate one, which was I'd love to come on guys, but give me like at least a week's notice, right? And cuz great yeah. like the day before. So um so thank you for coming on. Great to be here. Um, so, Marcel, uh, why don't you just give us a quick introduction to who you are, where you came from, and uh, I, I know most people know the Radiant 6 Salesforce story, but for those who don't, why don't you give us a little bit of background on that? Well, okay. Um, so, a lot of people, um, you know, it's kind of interesting, use the title entrepreneur. Um, it's kind of a title that... Um, you know, people are talking about it a lot more, but it's for someone to kind of self-describe them that. Uh, I think a lot of entrepreneurs kind of go, do you kind of call myself that yet? Am I really there? And uh, when I look at my career, you know, I'm an engineer by training. I did computer engineering at uh, University of New Brunswick, and, and I started my career as in working as an engineer in a phone company in MBTEL. And um, and I, I, I really became an entrepreneur, I would say for the most part, kind of accidentally. And uh, it just happened to be circumstantial, being at the right meeting at the right time. Obviously had always had these entrepreneurial tendencies, love to solve problems and, you know, attack things and all that. And that's why I went into engineering because I like to build things. I like to, you know, build things that solve things. But what I didn't know at the time was that I really loved building companies with people and organizations and that kind of thing. And uh, so I got my start uh, in kind of a trial by fire where I became the CEO of a spin-off company um, uh, when I was 28 years old. So I was 28 years old and I 
decided to take this role as CEO of a company called iMagic TV, and we went off and built software to help the phone companies uh, compete in the triple play world. And and I never looked back since then. Uh, I've just fell in love with this whole space of building businesses and um, doing it with great people. And that's kind of what I've you know been doing up till now. And of course, the the Radiant Six story, um, you know, was uh, really interesting idea that uh, Chris Newton came up with. Chris Newton is the kind of founder of the company, and and uh, I was introduced to him by a mutual friend, uh, Jerry Pond, who a lot of people, maybe you haven't had Jerry on on Boiling Point yet, have you? I am waiting for the moment. That, that, that'll, be, that'll be an interesting one. Um, and yeah, so Jerry introduced us, and we got to know each other, and uh, I really got excited about uh, the uh, opportunity to completely flip the world of marketing as we know it upside down with Radiant 6 and I thought it was really cool and kind of partnered up with Chris and we just had a very successful journey. We, we built the business in, in, you know, based here in Atlantic Canada and uh, grew very quickly through, you know, 2006, 7, 8, 9 and, um, and then in, in 2011, uh, Salesforce uh, acquired the company, and uh, we were the the largest tech exit in Canada in 2011. And uh, we're really, you know, excited that uh, we're able to, you know, help add to uh, particular Atlantic Canada successes in the tech sector. And yeah, so that's kind of how I got my start in uh, entrepreneurship. That yeah, is a great story, Marcel. And you know, I just wanted to to touch on one thing, and and I find really interesting, and a lot of uh, listeners. Um, wouldn't be familiar with when you you said NBTEL, so it's New Brunswick Telephone Company, that 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 got um, I guess kind of a mal- like three telcos came together as one that are now aligned. But but tell me a little bit about um, you know or what was it about NBTEL and the culture there that that produced people you know like yourself and I know Jerry Pond comes there and all these guys and 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 gals. Um, a lot of innovation. Do you, do you have any, um, you know, rationale around, you know, how that how that became and, and how so many people, you know, spun out and are doing so many cool things? Yeah, I do. Um, and it's a really interesting, uh, in, in some ways, um, reverse um, mindset to what you'd expect because we live in a world where big is better, uh, typically. Um, you know, I was just talking to someone yesterday about the global urbanization trends. You know, uh, McKinsey did a study in 2013 and talked about uh, the, you know, uh, 90 million people a year moving to one of 600 cities and these 600 cities taking over 50% of the world's GDP. And here we are in a rural economy. And so you've got the world thinking one way. And what I found with MBTEL was uh, it was very small scale organization in the world of telecom relative to you look at the United States it's really you know largely four companies that that, that manage the entire territory of you know the regional bell operating companies and at the time they were merging merging and they were all getting bigger and bigger and so it really came down to the thinking of the leaders and uh, people like Jerry Pond who said well we can play the economy of scale game and guess what we're going to lose that one because we're like 3% of Canada, which is 3% of North America. So that's zero. And, or we can play the economies of innovation game. And so we either do something last, or we'll let everybody else figure it out and we'll just implement it last, or we do something first. And so there was a mindset of picking things to do first, and that would give us, 
you know, disproportionate influence and ability to grow and innovate in a world where consolidation and scale. So the result was that the culture really encouraged risk-taking. And so there's a customer need. I think we can solve this. Yeah, let's go do it. So it was a little bit of cowboy mentality. And then I think the other thing was, and this, you know, might even be a little bit of that small-scale naivety, uh, you know, which I learned as I grew through the entrepreneurial system and got to know all the people in the venture community and all that. There's a formula, right? There's a formula like you bet on a tried-and-true entrepreneur, typically, and, and, you know, that's the number one thing an investor would look at. But when I took uh, the CEO role at this company, iMagic TV, in 1998, I was not the, the right guy. Like, I was just, I'd never done it. So the other thing was, they really took chances on people that they felt, you know, had the capability, but didn't necessarily have the experience. And through that, you know, a lot of those people got experience and created great successes. And I mean, even that company, um, you know, we, we were the first NASDAQ listed tech company in the dot com era in 2000. So here I was, you know, a couple years later, traveling around, uh, you know, the US and Europe in a G5 raising $100 million on the NASDAQ, which I had I known that a couple of years earlier, I probably would have ran the other way, you know, because the, the, the stress around it, but, uh, they just took chances and, and Jerry, I've seen continue to do that. He'll grab a young person and say, no, you should do this when the formula says, go get a pro. And I think those are two really remarkable characteristics that spun off a lot of innovation. So, and we, and we want to tie into entrepreneurship. I know Greg's got a lot of questions about just kind of where things have been, you know, moving for you as an entrepreneur and, and, and really looking at social impact and that sort of thing. But just before we get there, Marcel, um, like what do you think it did for your confidence and just for you uh, personally just to be thrown in the deep end like that? Like, I mean, there's something about, like when I listen to you and I kind of think, how cool is that, you know, which probably would go, would go, would really contrast uh, an, a typical engineering approach to, to a solution, right? So, so tell, like, how, you know, I mean, how, how did that help you grow? Well, you know, it brings to mind another question people ask often, you know, are entrepreneurs born or made? And I would answer that largely on the made side. I, I think that, um, you know, just like, you know, I know, Greg, you're a surfer, you know, are surfers born or made? Well, there's probably a little bit of born, you know, like you've got to have a... Greg's trying to be a, a made surfer, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm being made as we speak. <laughs> but, but you know, mostly surfers are made, right? Like you just don't, nobody gets on a board and figures it out right away. But for some reason in business, people expect to get on the board and not fail. And then they hit a failure. Like my number one advice to entrepreneurs always is expect trouble because they don't. And then they think, well, is the business bad? Is the idea bad? Is, am I not a good leader? Well, there is no successful business that has not gone through a massive amount of trouble. And so, um, I would say that the answer to your question is it really made me into an entrepreneur and I learned from people around me. One of the things, you know, I, on my first board, I had, you know, an entrepreneur, uh, his name is Terry Matthews, and a lot of people would know Terry in Canada. He founded Newbridge Networks. He founded Mitel. Uh, he founded lots of companies, now, you know, CEO of March Networks, but also 30 or so other, other companies. 
And at the time, he was chairman of Newbridge, and he's on the board. And I was like, okay, this will be interesting, right? I'll learn from this guy. So I'll tell you a little story, right? So I, I one day heard that there was a project going on in Spain with the phone company in Spain, um, and that they potentially were a customer for our software. And there weren't a lot in the early days, and so you got to get in there. So somebody said to me, you got to get in there. I'm like, okay, how do I get in there? So I call my Canadian, you know, counterparts in telecom. None of them have relationships in Spain. So I, so I, I decide, well, maybe I'll go call Terry. I'll see if I can bother Terry. So I call his assistant and I'm like, sometime, someday, you know, could I get on his calendar? I'd like to get his help with this question or whatever. She goes, okay. And then Terry picks up the phone. Marcel, you know, he's a Welshman, you know, he's a Welsh accent. How are you doing? You know? And I'm like, oh, I didn't mean right now, but Okay, so Terry, um, here's the deal. You know, I heard there's something going on in, in, in with Telefonica in Madrid, and uh, I'd like to, you know, figure out if you know anybody there that you could introduce me, whatever. Then I hear dial tone. Doo, 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 doo. He's dialing. I'm like, oh, I, I didn't think we need to do it right now. He says, he says, I want to do it right now. And we call the, we call somebody. We get through to this executive who's going to pick up the phone for him and then he goes you know you guys are working on something this is Marcel no one knows anything more than him in the world you need to talk to him can he come and see you tomorrow and <laughs> and it's like the guy goes um okay you know I guess Marcel can come see me tomorrow so like I went from thinking that I might um you know maybe get on his calendar in a couple weeks to buying a plane ticket to Madrid the next morning and then I sat back and I went, man, this guy moves like this guy executes. And I learned from him that he either won't do it or he'll do it right now. And so by being thrown into it, I got connected and, and with people like him and just was able to learn things I could never learn in school or never learn anywhere else because you just observe the behavior and you go, wow, that is something I need to emulate. And that is really the kinds of things I'd say that, that really helped me along the way. I, that is a great story. And Marcel, you've got a really good Welsh impersonation. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> so uh, Marcel, after uh, really getting uh, getting your, your feet solid on the ground and uh, in building and exiting uh, a, a number of uh, very successful uh, businesses, um, now you're 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 taking a you're not changing your pace by any means as far as I can tell but you're 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 jumping onto a new highway uh, one that's a little bit more focused on on uh, positive social impact and um, just truly making the world a better place and really trying to uh, grapple with the concept of what poverty is and how do we as a as a business community and also as a as a global community uh, approach the topic of poverty which is such a grandiose thing that we've uh, had such a, a culture of, uh, of of wrongdoing when we try to to uh, try try to act towards towards poverty can we go into that a little bit and uh, maybe from your words explain where that passion's coming from and what you've learned in the world of entrepreneurship as you bridge into this world of uh, social impact yeah sure that's a small little tiny question yeah Oops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean a whole bunch packed into that. Anytime you do something super intense, right? I remember, you know, in the middle of my engineering degree in third year with, you know, homework piled up and you always ask the question, is this worth it? You know, am I like, 
is this worth all this? Uh, I like this quote from uh, Henry David Thoreau says, you know, the price of something is the amount of life one is willing to exchange for it. And so you think of the price of something in terms of financial terms, but everything that you pursue, you're paying for it with life, you know? And so, and so is it worth it? And you're always asking those questions. And then as an entrepreneur, you know, entrepreneurs are always asking themselves those questions, whether they're on the side of, uh, struggling to make it, um, you know, plodding along mediocre success or like stellar runaway growth in every one of those stages, there's this, that question. And, uh, it's really interesting because having, having been in those various modes, I know a lot of people would perceive that, Oh, here's a company with a CEO with stellar runaway success. He must just be over the top and happy and all this stuff. Not necessarily the case because he may feel completely in jail because he's now CEO of a public company. He's beholden to the shareholders. Uh, any move he makes is going to be interpreted certain ways. You know, his his net worth is in in the in the uh, in the stock. You know, he can't really kind of get it out. And like, there are very successful entrepreneurs who who feel stuck. It's really interesting. So there's always this questioning of what is this for and. Um, and and I I've always asked myself that question, and because when you pour so much energy into something, you wanna you wanna feel good about the value of it. And one of the things that's really changed for me and morphed is uh, even the the uh, I've been asking these questions lately, not what is something, but what is something for. Uh, and it was kind of stimulated by this this video um, that I saw recently, but. Uh, so what is entrepreneurship? Like I say, what is entrepreneurship for? And a lot of times when you hear dialogue around it, people answer that in the context of the entrepreneur, right? So it's like make a life for yourself, uh, work hard, make some money, control your destiny, you know, be your own boss, you know, amazing ride, amazing experience and all that. But I don't think that's it at all. I think that entrepreneurship is really for I like use this, this term, which I got from someone else for the life of the world. It's like, it's a, it's, it's always been about benefiting the community, benefiting the planet, solving our biggest challenges. It's to make the world a better place. And, and when you do that, you happen to, you know, enjoy these other aspects of entrepreneurship, you know, being your own boss, blah, blah, blah. And I, I think that, um, and that, and that's not to minimize, like there's, you'd say, okay, what about a business that does like something really boring and back office and all that? I mean, I just look at the value of creating jobs. I mean, creating jobs, like what is a business? It's, it's a social structure, right? To try and accomplish something that you might not accomplish by yourself. So you get a bunch of people together, but it's way more than that because it's, it's relationships. It's like, it's, it is community, right? In and of itself. So there's so much purpose in entrepreneurship to, to benefit others. And so to me, it's just kind of this spectrum. And my dial has been, you know, every company, uh, it's funny when I met Chris Newton at Radiant 6, I had a list of things I said, well, here's my list of things that um, I'll never do again. And here's my list of things that I'll in a company that I'll always make sure we have, you know. So, for example, I had, well, I'll never build a business that sells to a large concentrated market. I want an unconcentrated market. So, for example, 
you know, if I sell to phone companies, well, I only have potentially four customers in the U.S. versus if I sell to brands, I have, you know, thousands. And he's, and then he had his list. Well, these are the things, you know, I'll never uh, have a business where I have to put engineers on planes to do an installation that needs to be in the cloud, blah, blah, blah. I'll always have a business that's this way. And we had, you know, these kinds of lists. And for me, what continued to grow in prominence is, you know, the impact and so, um, frankly, back in my TV days, it was like, okay, am I really helping the world, you know, by producing another way to get TV, not to minimize TV? I know that uh, you love TV, Greg. But, um, you know, it was like, there's lots of TV out there. Uh, it do, you know, we got satellite, we got cable, do we need another way? I struggled with it, frankly. Then I got to Radiant 6, and we weren't just building a software tool for marketers. It, we were like, oh, wait a minute, we are actually transforming the way marketing has been done for 80 years from this cold, impersonal blast messages to humans that you call eyeballs, and they'll just buy, and you don't know who they are, and you're kind of this impersonal brand with a message, and this whole shift is taking place where brands now have a dialogue, they're more human, they're more authentic in their voice, the voice of the customer matters more, and it's like a more human, better place. And so we were out there championing that vision, advocating for a change in how marketing was taking place. And it was so exciting because we were really, our brand was pioneering this, this change, which was a better world. So now I just take that further, and now I'm just more and more interested in doing things which, you know, at this phase of my career, uh, impact people. And that's when I've been getting more and more interested in poverty relief, which has blown my mind what I've learned there. Well, hey, you know, Marcel, like, I'm just wondering, like, and before we get into that, I'm just, you know, like, as a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this. Um, and I, and I actually, I really like that kind of concept of it's, you know, a lot of times we look in the context of the individual, but it's much bigger than that, like you say, right. And, um, and I'm wondering for you personally, was there a specific point in time where you you know there there was this growing awareness that you know this is more than just about you know me uh, being part of something cool or making some money or whatever but you know what I mean where it turned from you know what this does for me to what this can mean for you know for 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 bigger um, initiatives or or you know solving bigger problems that go beyond the business. I think it's a whole bunch of little events along the way. I don't know that I can think of a specific one. Um, you know, but it's it's when you have the opportunity to really, you know, really impact, um, you know, someone's life in a big way. And it, and it could be, it's an employee who's like, you know what, um, you know, here's what I was, you know, before I came here and you guys took a chance on me. Now I did this and this, and then they're off and they're successful and you're able to be part of that uh, journey for them. I have countless stories like that that I'm so excited about. And, uh, you know, and, <clears throat> and of course, they're, they're not always positive either because sometimes you become someone's pain too, right? Because when you're building a business, there's always, you know, people that don't work out and sometimes you have to be the bad guy and say, mm -hmm. you need to move along to something else. Mm -hmm. And uh, I used to struggle to do that. And then I've learned over the years that, um, that even that, you know, is not help, helpful to keep somebody in a role they're not successful. And often it's the thing they needed to move on. And some of those people, you're, you're like, you've helped them even though you were a pain. And uh, I just think that, um, 
you know, all those stories along the way um, really have, you know, expanded for me the the meaningfulness of what entrepreneurship is about and uh, uh, way bigger than what the product is. And uh, so it's it's neat to hear that. Like, and I'm just looking at Greg right now as well, but just the, evo- it's almost like the evolution of the entrepreneur, right? Um, and, uh, and I think for people that are starting, what a great place, what a great thing to be hearing to, you know, to start with that kind of what the, the end in mind is Stephen Covey would say. So yeah, thanks Marcel. That's very cool. Yeah. The other, the other thing about that is I've also noticed a correlation to success because when, in fact, I, um, I just did a, a talk with some, some young leaders at a, um, a ranch that we're involved in and we can talk about that in a minute, but I talked about this. Uh, these various attributes of leadership that I've noted over the years. And uh, one of them I talked about was, was contentment. And uh, it's a, maybe an unexpected attribute. But what I've noticed is when, uh, you know, I talk about contentment as a choice. Uh, I think that, um, you know, people can learn to uh, be less impacted by their circumstances and, and choose contentment. And people who've done that, make better leaders and they get better opportunities because when I see someone who is content, then they make decisions without including themselves in the equation. So they make a decision in terms of what's best for the customer or what's best for, you know, the business where you can see people are always struggling with their place. You know, I need a promotion. I need this. I need to change job. They're, they're always struggling and you can see how that, um, colors their decisions. The decisions are more about what's good for me. And so I expand that to entrepreneurship is when I see an entrepreneur whose goal is to build a business to make a life for themselves and or for their status, you know, it's kind of like this, the, the selfish motivations, we'll call it that, are fairly high on the stack. They tend to be struggling businesses because they'll tend to make poorer decisions than one that's really passionate about the outcome that they're trying to achieve. So I, I think it's actually very valuable for a young entrepreneur to think about why am I doing this and to wrestle with what is that bigger purpose. And sometimes you have to dig for it um, and convince yourself of it too, you know, and reconvince yourself of it over and over again. But when you do, then you get everyone excited around you about it because everyone want, like nobody's excited about our mission is to grow 10% next quarter, you know, like, yes, it's exciting to grow 10%, but that's not the mission. You know, the mission needs to be bigger. Anyway, right. enough we, about that. No, no, but to what, to what end? Yeah. What does 10% mean, you know, in a bigger context? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and Marcel, here's the, the most painful part here is we're actually running out of time and here's, here, right. here's what's difficult. Um, there's far more that we need to talk about. So, uh, I think this is going to be a Marcel LeBron, uh, one out of two, maybe three series, um, because I really want us to dive into uh, the the aspects of poverty and how we, as entrepreneurs specifically, can address things, uh, issues like this that are in our backyard that we have to address. I also want to dive into the new ranch project that you've got, which is serving kids from all over the place, which is incredible thing that Dave is going to absolutely freak out when he hears about. We've got another guest coming in in about two minutes. Can you promise? to let us bring you back in if I give you a week's notice again within the next couple of weeks because I really think this is valuable to go on to, to continue on. 
if, if you're cool with that, Marcel. Yeah, let's do it. In, in the meantime, how do people learn more about, you know, kind of the exciting things you're doing right now, Marcel? I don't know. It's a good question. I'm kind of, um, a lot of the things I'm working on uh, are kind of, uh, you know, they're not like on the web and broadcast out there and things like that. But uh, the best way might be to tune into episode two of The Boiling Point. Oh, I love it. (laughs) Oh, so you listened to David Alston's uh, episode earlier on. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, so, so Marcel asked me earlier, what's some of your favorite uh, uh, episodes so far? I said, we well, got to listen to episode two, David Alston. <laughs> He's the guy that named the boiling point, for goodness sakes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, lis- I listen to Dino's as well, and uh, but I don't have that... Uh, you know, that level of, like, mustering up that kind of energy in my voice. Oh, my God. But I, but I did debate whether I should start with an expletive just to get the little E on the podcast, but <laughs> I decided not to go for that. You, you could end with that if you like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you, you know what? No, 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 nobody can put the uh, expletive, uh, the little E sign in better than Dino Dogan, who uh, That's right. uh, is yeah. also an advisor on Hemix House, who, who we love and adore. Marcel, thank you so much. And really, I, I feel like I, we've cheated... Uh, uh, our listeners and ourselves to uh, to break this down at this point, but uh, I really do want to hook you back in very soon for 2.0, if that's cool. Sounds like fun. Thanks, Marcel. Really Thanks, appreciate Marcel. it. All right, guys. Really good meeting you. Bye. Bye. So, um, well done in, in terms of the hook on the second one. Uh, um, man, very cool. I know we only have a few minutes for takeaways. Big thing for me as an entrepreneur is, you know, the whole concept of, um, you know, thinking beyond yourself and kind of the evolution of the entrepreneur and decision making that occurs when you go beyond, you know, the, the you know, I want to grow by 25% mm-hmm. the company, you know, my top line revenue, or, you know, what does this mean for me personally? And if we can focus on things like, and I know you went through the process of coming up with a really cool awesome vision that you helped me with that I was I was lucky to be part of helping you with um, then it becomes exciting and it kind of takes me back to my vision and if I got I got to go back to that more and more often and Marcel really um, has kind of motivated me to do that because that's true because sometimes you forget why you're doing it you're getting focused on and you start making bad decisions so really really I mean of everything he said all was very interesting but that in particular for me at this point in time was really valuable and I think um, well for me <laughs> how fast did that interview go you know, just, it, it just went know. so like, fast. Is it really, we're thirty it's, minutes. It's the regular time. Uh, so, thank you, Marcel, for inspiring us. My big takeaway was not defining the what, but the what for. You know, what is entrepreneurship? Okay, let's just check it out on dictionary.com. But what's it really for? What are we doing this for? And this, this takes right back to the whole impact. What you know, uh, the, the mission, the purpose of what we do. Um, which totally resonates. So, uh, listening audience, stay tuned. We might even be able to get Marcel in next week. I really hope that that's the case. Uh, I'll have to give him plenty of notice. So, <laughs> Anyway, Dave, we'll see you next week, man. All right, buddy. Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, Visit Hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember, keep that pot boiling. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. 
Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at 4Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback.